Kelly Hunt, folk Americana roots singer-songwriter. Kelly grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and was surrounded by a variety of different types of music in her household, as well as being influenced by Memphis's deep music roots from blues, Elvis, Johnny Cash, and Sun Records. Kelly shares with us her musical trail and the fact it wasn't until she finished college and after trying a few other artistic outlets that she found music, chose her preferred instrument, the banjo, and began to find her unique style of music and her voice. Kelly shares her songwriting process, her upcoming sophomore album, Ozark Symphony, and the camaraderie and support she's found in her new home of Kansas City. We're talking to Kelly Hunt this morning. Kelly, you grew up in Memphis. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in Memphis? Yeah, so um, grew up in a very musical household there. And uh, so I was always just surrounded by music since I can remember. Um, and that was in my own family culture. You know, my mom came from a classical kind of opera background. My father was a is a fifth generation Texan. So he came from, you know, a lot of country music, but also played saxophone all through high school and college. And so um, kind of had a little bit of a jazz bent there and a country music bent there and a lot of folk music for my mom. And so just a very eclectic musical household, but also of course um, in a city that that is steeped in music tradition. And so grew up here in blues and, and sort of also just being aware of you know, Elvis and Johnny Cash and, and Sun Studios and sort of it was, um, there's just something in the air there that I was very aware of as I got older. So, yeah. Did you study music in, in college? Um, I, I kind of, I did not formally study music really at any point in my, I haven't really formally studied music, uh, but I grew up singing in choir and grew up you know, taking piano lessons and engaging in music in a kind of effortless way. I, I it was just a part of life and writing as well, writing poetry, writing songs, eventually writing kind of songs with lyrics that, you know, melding the two different things. And, um, but I, I guess that was sort of my training was singing in choirs and sort of training my ear. And um, then in college, I continued to sing in choir and I got my first banjo and sort of, but it was a lot of self-education. Um, and in fact, I didn't take piano lessons for that long before I kind of got burned down on them and didn't want to take them anymore. And so it was, it was a, something I kind of had to come to on my own in my own way, I think. Yeah. Tell us about the banjo. How did that come into your life? Well, I think the first time I remember really thinking about the banjo specifically was after a trip to Mountain View, Arkansas, where my uncle Larry um, lived at the time. And, and he, you know, there it's, I think they call themselves the folk music capital of the world. I mean, it's just a very, uh, it's the kind of place where there are just jams popping up on street corners and people coming out of the woodwork with their instruments and it's it's just very much a part of life there and uh, especially old time music and bluegrass and so yeah just seeing going to one of these jams and seeing all these people just 
coming together in a very organic way to make music. And he, um, I, I was struck by the banjo and its personality and how distinctive the sound it was. It was like this character that really stood out to me. And so I got kind of fascinated with it, I think. And then it just kept nagging me. And that was just the instrument I wanted to take up. And once I got to college, I finally um, got one. And, you know, what's funny is that I didn't go in any, I didn't, you know, really have an interest in learning how to play bluegrass you know, banjo or or any particular style it was more how can I use this to support my songwriting because I've been writing on piano up to that point um, but getting the banjo really kind of transformed my approach because it felt like a much more natural fit for the kinds of songs just started coming out and okay. it fit my voice in a different way so it just clicked did you learn to play the guitar before the banjo no actually wow um, yeah i now play guitar uh am learning i mean it's my my newest instrument uh but and so i've kind of gone from yeah from the five to six strings and it's a totally different thing to me even though it's just one more string like having that mm -hmm. bass range and so it's it's changed my songwriting in an even different you know it just opened up my songwriting and down a different pathway and I love that, you know, when you get a new instrument and it sort of unlocks a different angle in your writing or there are different possibilities suddenly. But I, yeah, for, for whatever reason, the banjo is what stood out to me first, maybe because it was lesser. Maybe I was intrigued by how, I don't know, by the possibilities there. I think also the fact that it's so much a rhythm, not that guitar can't, isn't a rhythm instrument, but the fact that the banjo is like really a drum head. And right. I yeah. think some of the percussive things I just maybe um, naturally am drawn to those rhythms and the ability to kind of execute those on a banjo in a particular sure. way. Now, you have a story about a particular banjo that you have in your collection that's particularly special to mm. you. Can you mm -hmm. share that with us? Sure. So, yes, uh, shortly after I moved to Kansas City from from Tennessee, I guess seven years ago, um, crazy to think, but um, I was kind of playing out with my five string banjo at the time and was approached by this local guy, Lance Steele. He, he has a lot of old instruments and um, he brought this banjo to one of my shows um, and was like, Hey, do you want to take a look at this? Are you looking for another banjo? And I really wasn't, but I was just, you know, trying to be polite. So I was like, sure, I'll take a look. <laughs> and I uh, opens up the case and it's this little old tenor banjo, four string, very short neck compared to you know what you're used to seeing and um had the calf skin head and it just was a hundred years old you know and i i picked it up and in the case there's a little note that said this banjo was played by a man named ira tam and his dog and pony show from 1920 to 1935 and i was wow. just smitten i was smitten <laughs> sure. I, before i even heard what it sounded like i was just kind of in love with it and yeah drawn to the and, story yeah there's nothing and I else took it home with me and that was it he you know it was um but yeah just so even within the banjo family just how much diversity there is you've got your you know the so many different types of banjos and this one it was a really muted soft almost has these harp like tones and these warm uh, because of the calf skin that's been aging curing basically for a hundred years and sure. it really fit some of the ballad kind of songs i was writing and things that were um it just it was a fit 
<laughs> so that was kind of what got me into the tenor banjo. So I went from starting on the five string to moving to the tenor. And then that is pretty much what I played exclusively on the, my first record, even the Sparrow. It's pretty much that four string banjo. And um, since then, I've kind of branched out to some other five string styles, claw hammer and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, that one's special. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, that's a great story. Mm -hmm. In your songwriting, do you typically start with lyrics, a story, and then build behind that the the melody? Or do you start with a melody that maybe comes to you and then you come up with the with the story, the lyrics behind it, or a little bit of both? Can you share that process with us? Yeah, I think it happens different ways. Um, for me, I've definitely, I think most of the time, um, music and words kind of come together. And, but sometimes the music will come first. It's rare that I have words in mind, and then I set them to music that that doesn't, that's not usually how it works for me. It's more like I'll maybe get a melody. Um, or even I'll just be picking around with chords and a melody kind of surfaces from the chords. I hear, you know, something in there. And then based on, you know, the tempo or the melody or the feel of it, it kind of sets a mood for me in terms of what the content, what the substance of this song is going to be, you know, what's the tone that that's being set. And if there's, you know, and then from there, it's kind of this mysterious unfolding, but I do feel like a lot of times it is something that kind of develops in tandem, the words and the music. But there have been times also where there's a particular story I want to tell, like on even the Sparrow record, the song Men of Blue and Gray. Um, that's a story of, you know, during the Civil War, taking photographs on glass plates. And then after the war, there were all these glass plate photographs nobody really wanted to look at because we were ashamed of what had happened. And it was this very brutal, violent thing and part of our history. So they actually put them back into to use as panes and greenhouse ceilings. These photographs became, you know, just basically construction materials. And I was so struck by that imagery yeah. and that the sort of inherent symbolism of that. And so I knew I wanted to tell that story. Um, and then it just kind of happened, you know, but I had that concept in mind. And sometimes I will have a concept of something. Um, and it might take years for that to materialize into an actual song. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I think it happens a lot of ways. Yeah. So how would you define your music style? That's a very good question. I ask myself the same thing. Um, I think the the sort of umbrella term that feels like the best fit is folk folk Americana yeah uh, folk Americana roots because that sort of leaves enough open to interpretation to where it, it feels like it can encompass all the different influences that I see in my music because it's you know I feel like I'm drawing on a lot of different traditions on Irish music and um on country music and classical music and um you know the old time music, really yeah. American music, you know, but it's so all over the map. And so that's kind of what I feel like uh, fits the bill best, but it's definitely I, I, a mutt. <laughs> I really feel like uh, your first album, Even the Sparrow, 
really captures all of those different types of sounds that you mentioned. Mm. I feel like across the great divide, I I hear kind of an Irish lilt in your mm. in your voice and and sound to it. And obviously, uh, Delta Blues, Fingernail Moon, um, definitely have those uh, blues brutes underground. Mm. I kind of felt like nothing on my mind almost has a sound of almost like a a jazz standard to it. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I thought that I was like really, that really, really interesting. And then the more the Appalachian sound I picked up, more in the uh, back to Dixie and and how long as, as examples. Mm. Mm. That's nice. That's a that's a interesting yeah evaluation. I think you're right. Uh, uh, and I think this next record, I know we'll talk about that, but I I feel like that one even even branches out in some other directions. And um, I guess I've come to be at peace with that. You know, I think I used to think oh, if I don't fit cleanly into a box, you know, sure. then it's hard to know how to present yourself or, or I don't like the word so much, but brand, like, how do I, what am I telling the world that I am? You know, what are they supposed to um, make of this? And I think it's okay that it's not so defined, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's difficult because we live in a world where we like to put things in boxes and categories mm -hmm. and put labels on them. Right. And so as an artist, I think that's got to be maybe extra challenging for you to avoid that if that's something mm -hmm. that you want to do. And right. I applaud you for it, but I, right. I got to think it, to some extent, maybe it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, it's an evolving Thing. And I think that's good. I think a lot of my favorite artists are ones who kind of went on, well, like you say, on your podcast, all these, these different trails, these different paths, and kind of explored freely, um, while still staying true to themselves, but they weren't, they didn't stay in one, they weren't stagnating as artists, they were reaching out and finding different ways to, and I, yeah, I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit more about your uh, upcoming um, album, Ozark Symphony, mm -hmm. and you record it in a uh, in a different uh, different studio, different location. Mm -hmm. I did a little uh, reading on that, and it sounded uh, extremely interesting. So tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, in contrast to the first record, even the Sparrow, which um, I made here in Kansas City with with a, a local guy Kelly Wirtz, who's um, got a wonderful little home studio and it was a very homespun learning the ropes kind of figuring this whole thing out kind of process that was beautiful uh, wouldn't change the way that happened but the second one was really different because it was uh, my first time you know working with a producer in a studio and having these collaborations that uh, it was very deeply collaborative and with other um musicians who I haven't even met because, you know, we made this during the pandemic, too. So yeah. parts being flown in from the UK, you know, things. It was just a really interesting, creative whirlwind of, a, of, a, of an experience. But so we made this um, record in Louisiana, in, uh, the Brobridge area of Louisiana with producer Dirk Powell, who is an amazing musician um, and, and engineer and producer um, and has you know, had a long career in 
old time music and Cajun music and Irish, you know, he's, he's done a lot of things. So he kind of brought his own world of, of, um, people and sounds to the record in in a way that was really, um, amazing. So yeah, it was, it was a very radically different experience kind of saying, okay, here are the songs. This is sort of my vision for them. And then trusting somebody to like bring in people you don't even know and put down parts that express their own personality and what they're hearing in the songs, not what you're telling them to play, you know? Yeah. And so it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing, scary and beautiful. And yeah. I'm really happy with how it all turned out, but yeah, hopefully putting that out at the end of the summer, early fall, we're still kind of figuring that out. Great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing from that. At what point did you feel like this is this music business, this uh, being a performer, this is this is what I want to do as my, you know, my, my livelihood. I mm -hmm. want this to be my my career. Mm -hmm. at, at what point in your development did that really come to you? came to me gradually um so i certainly didn't grow up thinking i'm going to be a musician you know and i certainly didn't feel that even um in college or after college um and i spent about five years after i graduated college kind of running around trying on different careers and trying to figure out most of them in the arts in some way shape or form like culinary arts but also agriculture and and um kind of my backgrounds in visual arts so kind of exploring that world of like of um uh, photography and and graphic design and stuff and i think um music was a constant that i carried with me through all those experiences and it was my outlet um and i was always writing but i didn't really play those songs for other people and i had a lot of hang-ups about doing that even though I, I grew up doing theater and performing other people's material but it's different to step on a stage and say i this came from me this is a reflection of me it's, it's a very vulnerable thing and so i kind of had a lot of hang-ups about that um but i guess eight years ago right before i moved to kansas city i had kind of just started playing some open mics in Tennessee. I'd lived, I was, had moved back there briefly. I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And then just felt this overwhelming urge to kind of just get out there and start, just see what happens, just play this stuff for people. It was like this sort of biological <laughs> function. I needed to do it. I was just um, feeling like this, and it's still a mystery to me, that feeling, but it was like this compulsion that I just had to. And so I started doing that and then I moved to Kansas City and I kept doing it. I, I went out and played open mics and just kind of, I think for the first year I was doing that, I don't think I opened my eyes when I was on a stage. I couldn't, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was all I could do just to be there doing the thing. And I felt like I had no vocal control. I felt like I was so nervous, my body was shaking and I felt like it was always gonna be that way. Um, but I just kept doing it. And eventually, you know, especially here in Kansas City, there's such a very wonderful grassroots, supportive community surrounding folk roots, Americana music, and I'm sure other types of music, but my experiences is with that community. And they kind of were, it was the perfect incubator for me as this burgeoning singer songwriter, like trying to get my bearings. And so 
yeah, they just kind of um, was very uplifting, got some, started getting some gigs, started getting some little residencies, um, playing regular gigs, and then also getting into the studio, recording some demos, and just one thing kind of led to the next, and eventually uh, was just taking up more and more of my life, and I kept creating space for it to take up as much room as felt right, and, you know, eventually I had the record, my first record finished, and put that out, and kind of started touring, and um, so uh, 2019 was my first full year of touring, and it was, right. things were kind of starting to take, take shape and feel like, oh, this is becoming sustainable in a way that I can, I'm, I'm falling into a rhythm that feels natural and working full time in music. And um, then of course the pandemic hit and things changed, but yeah, that's kind of how it happened and how it okay. evolved was just very organically over a period of years. <laughs> how, how challenging has the last couple of years been for you? Very, very challenging. And um it's changed a lot of things and for for a lot of people and um i also see though the opportunities it's created that i wouldn't have had probably otherwise um one of it which is working you know with dirk on this record um because um he signed on for this you know we were really in the heat of the pandemic when that happened and so his tour schedule was canceled his sort of calendar cleared out and he had this window of opportunity um, that he probably wouldn't have had otherwise and so instead of being on the road for most of 2020 and 2021 which is what i was planning on you know work in the record and being out there in support of it and and just being on the road um it turned into a couple years of creating a new um work which in some ways i mean i wouldn't trade that now for Sure. for anything so i i think it was unexpected the kind of fruits that it bore but i definitely see that it bore a lot of fruit for me creatively and honestly just being holed up alone with my instruments um i really got to know my guitar i really have kind of written the next record um plus some you know i mean i've really been in a creative headspace um that um i would not have been a I know I would not have been if I was dogging it out on the road, you know? Sure. So challenging in, in a lot of ways, and especially in the sense that, you know, I've just been working a lot of different jobs to make ends meet. And so I haven't been able to center myself in being a musician. So there've been a lot of times over the past couple of years where I haven't felt like a musician. I haven't felt like, you know, I'm not like I'm not doing the work I want to be doing in the ways that are fulfilling for me. I'm, yeah. But that I know I'll get back to that place. It's just kind of this limbo of sure. <laughs> doing what you can. Yeah. Sure. And you're uh, you're performing. In fact, you've got a, a great gig tonight. I know uh, at, at Knuckleheads that yeah, you've got to be really excited about. And you've got um, some other tour dates in Kansas, Missouri, uh, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And the one that I particularly want to ask you about that I was very excited to see is you're going to be on the Walnut Valley Music Festival yes. uh, lineup this year, which yes. is really exciting. So excited about that. I have, I've been, the first time I went was the first year I moved to Kansas City, and then I haven't been able to get back. It's like September, there's always been stuff going on, so... I'm so excited to to be back there and be on on that stage. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Have you met Bella Fleck? Oh, you know, I have not met Bella Fleck. 
Um, I have not. No, I just saw him and Abigail Washburn perform in Tennessee this year when I went back home for, and it overlapped. I think it was in the fall. Um, and I've loved Abigail Washburn to her music for years and the, their collaborations on stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, no, but I haven't met him. I've seen well, him play with the Flectones too. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll get a chance to meet him in Winfield. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Tim O'Brien's going to be there. And yeah. It's a great gosh, lineup. So many, so many great, yeah, so many greats. Sierra yeah. Hole. That's cool. Yeah. What are some of the um, lessons learned that, that that you've had in your in your journey as you've gone along the way and, and met people? And I'm I'm sure you've stubbed your toe a time or two. Um, what are some of the things that you've come away from that either lessons learned or advice that um, you would share with somebody else? Hmm. So many, uh, and I'm sure I have a lot more to learn. Um, but some of the things that stand out that were like defining things for me, actually, one of them was talking to Kelly Hunt, the other Kelly Hunt. And, um, you know, her husband, Al managed me for for a few years and really helped me get off the ground and kind okay. of get my bearings in the industry. Um, and she also mentored me a lot, has mentored me a lot and sort of given me encouragement along the way. And one of the things she said to me, um, and I, I think maybe it was in response to maybe me expressing some insecurities about feeling like, you know, I, like I don't fit cleanly in a box or, and feeling like I should or something, or that it was, um, and she told me your, your power is in being fully yourself. Like if you can really truly bring your authentic self to the world through your music, that is your powerhouse right there. And once you start trying to become some or adapt to a, a, a standard that doesn't fit you or, or try to fit into, you know, and I think she was telling a story of how she was on a bill on some festival that was like, um, it was not she did she wasn't a square fit for the festival sort of genre um but she ended up having this amazing one of this amazing performance experience and people really responded to her and that that was her learning that just showing up and being who she was people respond to that and so just being confident i guess in um whatever it is that you have to offer and um not worrying too much about the perception or, or fitting belonging in any sort of clean identifiable way. So that was very liberating for me. I think I needed to hear that. I think another thing is just, um, I've really, really learned over the past couple of years is just the importance of being patient with the creative process, letting it evolve in its own time, because, um, I think it's easy to kind of, at least for me to kind of get into this headspace where I tried to control that or say, okay, I'm going to finish this by this, you know, and time or this day. And I've, I expected to put this record that I'm about to put out. I expected to release it two years ago. You know, it's been recorded for a long time and just the process of things kind of taking shape. And sometimes you have to get space from what you've recorded to be able to come back to it with fresh ears and have that perspective. And you can't rush that if you do rush that you end up with something that's less than what it could could have been or um, that's not fully formed and so patience is something that's hard for me but 
I've really seen how uh, beautiful things happen when you kind of step back and let them take shape in their own time. That's excellent. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Where can people um, find your music and find out more about you? Yeah, I guess the best place is my website. Um, it's kellyhuntmusic.com, K-E-L-L-Y huntmusic.com. And that kind of has, that's the hub for all the things, you know, all the surrounding me and my music. But also, I mean, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Kelly Hunt Music is my handle for all those things. And um, the album's on Spotify and iTunes and all those, um, the usual suspects, so... Yeah. Great. Well, we'll encourage our, our listeners to certainly check you out. So as we finish um, our, our time together, I, uh, I'd like to uh, offer the opportunity to, of our guests to introduce a song. Hmm. And, um, and hopefully it's a song that is done by the person that I'm interviewing. <laughs> so um, so what, what song would you like to introduce our listeners to today? I think uh, I think the title track off of my debut album, Even the Sparrow, um, and that I think because I I see that song as an origin point for the record and for really my songwriting in general. It was one of the earliest, probably the first song that I wrote on banjo that I still play, um, and it was in my early days of of kind of experimenting with banjo, and I was creating from a very free place of not really thinking too much about what I was doing and, and just letting things happen. And that song still like um, speaks a lot to it. It resonates. I Me, mean, I kind of feel like that song has a special place in my, um, in my heart and in my sort of musical um, evolution. And so, yeah, that's probably a good one to start with. Awesome. <laughs> Kelly, I want to thank you so much for uh, being on uh, today. And uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you and uh, visit with you this morning. And I wish you uh, the best of luck uh, in the coming year and uh, look and look forward with great anticipation for your new album, Ozark Symphony. And uh, with that, we'll, we'll finish with the song. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Here's Kelly Hunt's single, Even the Sparrow, from her debut album, Sharing the Same Name. Tell me one more time Why you keep from home Why you think the stars have set your did you know this mad world's a place for keeps? Did you know? Oh, 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 oh. Tell me one more time what it is you seek and how that stood storm is still not sprung a leak. Your dry speak of famine underneath did you know oh, 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 oh. it's not 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Music Trails. Special thanks to our guest, Kelly Hunt. I'm your host, Mark LaFon. If you like what you hear, subscribe today and tell a friend.